Welcome back to the Comics Course. This is an offering of Miskatonic University's Remote Education Program, offering Literature 209, Graphical Literature and Society and History, better known as the Comics Course, as a publicly available podcast. All the social media links are in the show notes, uh, but not direct links to the stuff I talk about because I'm apparently too lazy to do that. And I don't have an Amazon affiliate program. I'm not trying to sell you anything. Uh, although Comixology, if you'd like to sponsor somebody, just saying I'm not above taking your dirty, dirty capitalist money. Um, in the meantime, we have more root beers to evaluate. Are you liking our root beer evaluation, Rowan? Yes. This is my ever root beer drinking T.A. Rowan, who genuinely does love root beer. Mm-hmm. It was one of the things we bonded over. And we have two more sugarcane root beers here today. The one on the left is a Beta brand, which advertises itself as made with pure Louisiana cane sugar. Let's try this. Sweet, a strong molasses tone to it. I really like that. I really like that too. On our one to five scale, that's a strong four. That's a four, maybe a five. Maybe a five. I know. I feel. Let's Actually, com- I'm going to give it a five. You're going to give it a five. That's that's strong. Hold on. I want to try the other one and then go back to it. We're washing our mouths out with water to remove the taste, folks. Um, the next one is IBC. IBC is more of what I... It is also made with cane sugar. It's been made since 1919. It's one of the older brands. Mm-hmm. It is what I kind of think of as a mainstay of the root beers you can get most places in the United States. Mm-hmm. But n- better than, you know, what you buy in a two liter, but not super high quality. Yeah, like maybe a low four. Yeah, I, I'm debating IBC. Does it Is it a three or a four? I think because it's made with real cane sugar, it gets itself a four. Okay. I will say, though, it is a lower four. A couple of others we've put at fours are better. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I'm going to go back to the Abita here. Because we need to determine if this is a four or a five. It's very lively. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I like about it is when it's sort of dissolving on the tongue, I have the notes coming up through my nose. Yeah. That's right, folks. We're talking about root beer like it's wine. Mm-hmm. But it's delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a five for that's me. That's a five? Okay. So... IBC is a four by virtue of cane sugar, which does improve the flavor substantially. Mm-hmm. And the Abita is hitting a five. Okay. Well, it is Pride Month, which Ooh. means everybody's supposed to have pride. What does Pride Month mean, Rowan? Pride. You're the one with a, uh, a specific pride flag up in your dorm room. Yeah. So uh, uh, explain to our listeners, and we, we have a number of podcast downloads from around the mm-hmm. world, I don't know how heavily Pride Month is uh, promoted in all parts of the world. Some people may not know what it is. Yeah. Pride Month is a month in the year, February. I don't know where it started. June. I want to say America. June. Yeah, February is Black History Month. 
Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry, I misspoke. Sorry. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, where we celebrate LGBTQ pride. It originally just started with gay and lesbian, but it's now kind of slowly followed all parts of LGBT mm-hmm. culture, like trans, asexual. Right. And there's a lot of distinctions that aren't immediately intuitive to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But just celebrating being you. Right. And so I wanted to spotlight this month some stories both by and more about LGBTQ characters, although I am trying to uh, uh, spotlight ones where there are LGBTQ plus creators as well. And that's certainly true of this first one, My Brother's Husband by Gengoro Tagame. Now, this was originally serialized in a sign-in magazine in Japan. Um, it is the same sign-in magazine that Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid is published in, which is ostensibly a sort of uh, platonic Yuri relationship, very kid-friendly kind of thing. My Brother's Husband is also a story of platonic relationships, but within a family, and very different. Now, I, I do have to get something out of the way here. Uh, Gengoro Tagame is a pen name, and I personally love it because it's two different kinds of water bugs. Oh, that's cool. And the creator who chose it said he wanted something different, not the typical, you know, sort of romance uh, style stuff, because he's always done relationship manga. However, this is the sort of elephant in the room that needs to be gotten rid of. Um, If you Google... Gengoro Tagame, maybe do it in incognito mode um, and without children around. For his entire publishing career as a manga artist, until My Brother's Husband, his stuff was homosexual. That's not why I say incognito or around your children. Um, Sexually explicit sadomasochistic art and stories. There's just... I mean... You can try to have me put it in a more delicate way, but it's true. Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen and read some of it. It is extremely explicit. Um, it is not for children at all. And one of the things he's known for are these large, big, muscular male characters, which you see some of in this story because it's mm-hmm. his drawing style. Um, but this story is all ages appropriate. And one of the things I found interesting when reading some of his comments about the experience of doing this, because he was asked to do it by others, um, is that he never thought he would want to do a general audience manga story, but he found it very freeing to do this. And I'll be honest, I think he's a really talented storyteller, so I'm glad that he's expanding, not because... Uh, his original subject matter was, for some reason, inappropriate or whatever. I, you know, I, I think people need to get off their high horses about this stuff. Um, but I think when you're that talented a storyteller, you shouldn't box yourself in with unnecessary restrictions. That's why I'm glad he's doing more. And he has since then started to do some more general audience manga. Oh, that's cool. And I, I wish him all the best. Now, I will also say that I'm not going to go over every bit of this. This has been collected into two uh, Tankoban. They are available on Amazon, translated and all that. I do highly recommend them. And 
you know, I, I get emotional when I read emotional stuff, if it's written well to convey that emotion. And I found this very powerful when I first read it. And now that I decided to do it uh, for the class, I reread it in preparation and I found myself tearing up again. Um, so I, I, I and, and he's not, this is not a big dramatic story. This, I'll go and tell you, this is not a story about events that happen and rock the world. There are no giant fights in here. There's no highly dramatic action. This is very real people talking and having normal conversations and about the feelings and thoughts that come up in real life. Mm -hmm. And to me, that could be very powerful. So as we as we pick up this book, you see on the front three figures. How would you describe them, Rowan? Mm, uh, there's one that there seems to be a Japanese man on one side. You can tell mm -hmm. by the slightly by the different skin tone, the black hair, mm -hmm. the haircut, and then next to him is another man who seems to be more traditionally white, big beard, brown brown hair, some cuts on the side and then right next to in between both of them is a little girl who seems to be also Japanese with pigtails. Yep. Uh the western character, the gaijin, uh if you will, uh, although that's not actually a very polite term anymore in Japanese society, is named Mike Flanagan. He's Canadian. Mm. And he's wearing a upside down pink triangle shirt. Mm -hmm. He is a gay man from Canada. He's openly gay. Meanwhile, the man standing next to him is Yamichi. He is a Japanese single father. He and his wife are divorced. And he's raising their daughter, Kana, who's the girl in it. Um, in a lot of ways, this is about the relationship between Yaichi and Mike Flanagan. Um... In the figure that's not here, that's in between them, which is... Well, I'll get to that as we reveal. Mm. Let me step through a little bit as it happens, just to uh, uh, provide some context. Because really, in the first few pages here, the author kind of lays everything out. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of it is building that. But we see here this fuzzy first page... And it's a dream sequence where he's actually remembering what happened. And it's Yaichi and his brother. We don't get to see either of their faces. And we find out that they're at a funeral. Both their parents died uh, in a car accident on the highway. And they're left with no living family. And the brother is crying, but Yaichi is just sitting there. And everybody's talking about how stoic he is. And this holding in of his emotions is a major element of the story. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you something. Yaichi represents Japan in this story. Mm -hmm. uh, his holding of emotions, his difficulty showing affection at times, his, how he comes to term with Mike Flanagan and his brother's relationship, all of this represents modern Japan, just laid flat out. And as the story opens, Yaichi gets up, gets his daughter off to school, you know, is doing all the house husband things you have to do, although he doesn't have a wife. 
And then after his daughter leaves, he answers the door. Mike Flanagan's there, who he's expecting, although we, the reader, haven't been told anything about him yet. And then as he's kind of stumbling over his words of what to say to Mike, Mike grabs him in a big bear hug. And Yaichi thinks, what the fuck? Let me go, you homo. And but what he says is, uh, uh, I'm sorry, but could you not? And this shows a split we'll continue to see in the story between what's happening emotionally in his head and what he expresses. Mm-hmm. And he's trying not to be rude. And he's he doesn't think of himself as a homophobe. And is he? I mean, the question of what is a homophobe is more complicated than it at first appears. And the story explores that at times. You know, it's easy in fiction to paint a picture of homophobes as... You know, these rednecks that drive down the street throwing beer bottles at, you know, people wearing pride uh, uh, clothing and stuff. And yelling, hey, you fags! You know. But homophobia can take much more subtle forms than that. Mm-hmm. And part of that is in the story as well. And a critical part of it. Because he does, Yaichi does represent Japan. And he experiences a lot of character growth in this story, which I think is in many ways a hope for Japan. Mm-hmm. Now, we find out very quickly that Mike Flanagan is the, the, the uh, uh, I was about to say, uh, uh, I'm not sure whether to say was or is here, uh, was married, uh, Yaichi's brother, Ryoji, Um just a little over a month ago. Mm-hmm. But shortly after their marriage, Roji passed away. Ryoji. Um, and it was unexpected. Maybe another car accident or something like that. Like killed their parents. And that left Yaichi uh, with his only blood relative anymore being his daughter Kana. And Ryoji was Yaichi's twin. They were identical twins. And this, he, this whole thing of his brother, who he was so super close to growing up, but then in his teenage years, they faded apart. And we find out that his brother came out to him as gay, as teenagers. And at first, Yaichi really believes that that had nothing to do with them growing apart. But as he looks at looks back more and more and more and reflects more and more and more, he comes to the conclusion that although he never said anything negative to his brother about his brother being gay, that it did cause him to not relate to him well anymore. And they just slowly grew estranged until his brother moved to Canada. Uh, which was before Kana was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're told that he moved to Canada about 10 years ago. Uh, so that would have been before Kana was born, yeah. And uh, it, it, it's hard on him as he confronts this and confronts the fact that somebody who on a level is literally himself, his twin brother. I mean, they're split from one egg into two people, uh, is gay while well, he wasn't. And it in a way shattered his identity and made him question himself. Because what's true of his brother should be true of him. Uh, and, and I know that 
there are twins who think that way. Mm-hmm. Certainly not all do. So, but this is all happening abstractly, you know, in his life. His brother says he's gay, but he's not publicly gay around him. Uh, Japan historically has not been very welcoming of people being gay. Um, Mm -hmm. And then his brother moves off to Canada, which is much more accepting, marries a man. But this is all happening off screen in his life until the guy shows up and hugs him. Mm -hmm. And... You know, they have a conversation about the hug, and Mike Flanagan says, I'm sorry, I kind of lost it because you look so much like your brother, and I miss him so much. And, uh, you know, when he first got to Canada, he wasn't comfortable with hugging either. (laughs) And I was so used to hugging him. And then Kana shows up from school, who didn't know she had, you know, an uncle like that. She never met Ryoji. And... She is just kind of over the world, over the moon. And when she's given all these facts and says, Daddy has a brother? Men can marry each other? Is that even allowed? What? And Mike Flanagan says, yes, we can. And then Yaichi yells, no, they can't. Which, in Japan, they can't. But in other parts of the world, they can. Mm -hmm. And Kana starts to say, that's weird. And in his mind, Yaichi is going, I know, men marrying each other is weird. And then she continues saying, it's weird that it's okay over there and not here. Mm-hmm. Now, you have to understand, Kana does not represent here, as you may at first think, uh, the future of Japan. She doesn't. She represents innocence. She represents what people believe without society having imprinted its values on them. Mm-hmm. Just left alone to be a human without society telling you that you should disapprove of gay marriage, she does not understand why anybody who loves each other can't get married. Mm-hmm. Um, so she represents innocence. And in fact, her own father says of this later when there's an exchange about her being positive about something, and he says, Well, society hasn't told her not to be yet. Mm-hmm. So her own father, so I mean, that is the writer using his father to tell her what her role is symbolically in the story. And she is a fairly flat character. She's positive, she's happy, she's childish at times, but she accepts people for who they are without any need for anything else. And the backstory is explained, and then we get to chapter two, Tempura Sushi. Many of the chapters are named after food. And food has a big part of this, as it tends to in Japanese culture. The Japanese are very proud of their cuisine historically uh, and continue to be to this day. One day we'll have to do episodes about Japanese food manga, like Restaurant to Another World and Food Wars and stuff like that. Nice. Which I was talking to somebody about uh, recently. Hmm. And food is a common part because it's a part of their shared experiences. And we see that here. This family sort of galvanizes because Mike becomes part of the family at the dinner table and over food, where many of these conversations happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Food matters. And, you know, initially, Yaichi isn't sure about Mike staying there, but Kana points out another distant family member came and Yaichi insisted that they stay. Um... And he realizes, wow, I'm having a different reaction to him because he's gay. And it bothers him that he's having a different reaction. 
So, I mean, this this is a case with many people who hold some of these prejudices that they don't know they have the prejudices mm -hmm. until, you know, they confront themselves with it. And in many ways, Kana's innocent forces him to confront his own prejudices. It's like, wow, I did, my own daughter, who is such a wonderful little kid, you know, doesn't feel this way. Why am I feeling this way? Mm -hmm. uh, and that is one thing different about a true homophobe versus somebody with certain conditioning. Um, a true homophobe will generally try to defend their behavior and justify it. Uh, Yaichi, I don't think, deserves to be called a homophobe, but he does have to be called out for obviously being very conditioned by a homophobic society. But he's willing to question it and confront it, even though it's really hard for him and it's not instant character growth. It takes a while. This is too hefty Tonko Bonds, people. And there, there's a moment here as they're talking about tempura sushi that's important to understand. Uh, tempura in Japan is not put into sushi. It's just not. Uh, it, it, it is a part of Western or California-style sushi. Now, I once watched a YouTube video that was hilarious. They, I, I don't know where they got it, but the, the people making this video got California-style sushi in Tokyo somewhere. Maybe some black market, you know, dive in Shibuya or something. I don't know. Or Ginza. Um, <laughs> and they walked around offering pieces to people and getting their feedback. Which was generally one of two things. Either A, that's disgusting. Or B, that's good, but it's not sushi. And shouldn't be called that, and I'm kind of offended it's being called that. Tastes good? But it's not sushi. Um, and they have this discussion because they're asking him if he likes sushi. He says he does. Uh, Kana's surprised that they have sushi in Canada. He says, yeah, we have kinds that you don't have here. And explains tempura sushi. And, you know, as they're talking about it, Kana asks Yaichi what he thinks. And what he says is, uh, I don't know. I'd have to try it. And he kind of has this moment of revelation where he says, maybe marriage between men is like tempura sushi for me. Um, I don't understand this. I don't understand how it works. I don't understand how I'm supposed to feel about it. Um, because it's something that Japanese culture has traditionally avoided talking about. Mm hmm much like the British apparently avoided talking about lesbians, as we talked about in a previous episode. I mean, may maybe if they talked about, you know, men marrying more, they're afraid they'd all do it. And they already have a low enough birth rate in Japan, thanks to, you know, the shut-ins. Um, so they go to take baths. Yaichi goes last. He's lying in the, there in the bath trying to contemplate. And something that this does really well is utilize something that you can do in graphic literature that you can't do in prose literature. And I talked about that uh, in relationship recently in From Hell with not showing a face. But here it is to use ma. Now, different people translate ma a little differently. Um, some I, I've seen in discussions of Miyazaki, ma being... Moments of silence to impart gravitas. 
Mm-hmm. Um, when it's used in a visual sense, it's usually translated as negative space. Mm-hmm. Um, Maw symbolically is both of those things. It is the absence. It is the room to breathe in. So physically, it can be negative space. Auditorially, it can be silence. But it's those moments of lacking things filling the space to let yourself out and breathe in your environment. And that is what we have here in the bath. And it's used brilliantly at other moments in the series, too, where sometimes the most emotional moments are with nobody saying anything, but they've talked. And now the contemplation hits. Mm-hmm. And you can feel the emotion. It's one of the reasons that I think uh, Tagame is a great storyteller. And I'm glad he's now doing more accessible works. So, Yaichi apparently normally only comes out in his underwear. It's just him and his daughter. But he feels self-conscious about it. So, he gets completely dressed to come out. And freaks out when he sees Kana touching Mike's chest. Because she's freaked out about how hairy he is. Uh, Japanese men don't tend to be very hairy. It's just a regional, uh, genotypical difference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and he kind of freaks out a little bit. He kind of draws it back in. Because he doesn't want to yell. But he eventually gets upset at Kana. Because she's so overexcited. And tells her to go to bed. And they leave. And as he's standing there, he thinks to himself... Tempura sushi sounds disgusting. So, and remember, tempura sushi here is reflecting gay marriage. Mm-hmm. It's a stand-in. Um, he, yeah, folks, he is not going to miraculously reverse thirty-five years of social conditioning over, you know, one dinner and a bath. Mm-hmm. It's going to take some time. And as the story goes on, we just see these same themes developed on and on and on. Um, We have a chapter titled Mac and Cheese where Mike cooks a very simple craft macaroni and cheese dish for the family. This is important symbolically because he's not a guest. He's family. He's staying in his uh, passed away husband's bedroom. He's cooking for his brother-in-law and niece. He is family. He goes out later to an onsen with them. And as the story goes on, it becomes more and more uh, involved as Yaichi confronts his past, confronts his failures with his brother, reconciles with Mike uh, 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 after having a little bit of distance between them and, at the beginning, and begins to break down some of his own emotional barriers, which when his ex-wife comes to visit, they seem to start maybe start reconnecting a little bit. And he admits that he's been too emotionally distant, too stoic. And also, I want to go back to talking about the whole, you know, he's a stay-at-home single dad thing. Now, he does have a form of income. He owns an apartment building that his parents gave to them, and he administers it, collects the rent, and he's a stay-at-home dad for uh, Kana. But he apologizes for this at one point to Mike, saying, well, it's not like I have a real job. I didn't build up my own thing. It's just what my parents gave me. And Mike goes, you're a full-time dad. That's a job. Mm -hmm. So what's going on here is something that's important to note. 
he has been reacting to Mike and Mike's marriage to Ryoji as this very un-Japanese thing. But, of course, he's un-Japanese himself. Mm-hmm. The Japanese, you know, work, culture, uh, 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 sort of bushai, sadariman attitude does not accept a single dad working as a, you know, house dad. Mm-hmm. Raising a daughter. And it, it is kind of a brilliant way on the author's part, I think, of saying Japan isn't Japan anymore. It's evolved. It's changed. And yet its cultural attitudes don't even like some of its own people who uphold those attitudes. Mm-hmm. And in a strange way, by learning to accept Mike and Mike's relationship with his now past deceased brother, he learns to start accepting himself more. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where later on, when one of Kana's uh, classmates is told to stay away because Mike could be a bad influence. You know, all this vague shaming of people who are gay. Oh, if they're gay, who knows what they do? Well, if he's a gay man, he kisses other gay men. Um, Pretty simple. Uh, but what else if he'll do that? I don't know. Ask your wife. She kisses you. That's just, I, mean, I mean, if kissing a guy automatically opens the door to the weirdest shit you'd find on 4chan. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's absurd. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and it's not just Japanese. I mean, That's Am- Americans have a strong history of it, too. The British, you know... Uh, uh, I, I I almost said every culture, but not every culture has had issues with homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, many, in fact, uh, have had the very rational attitude of who cares mm-hmm. what consenting adults do. So there's a lot of great moments in here. And this is not driven by big action that has to be resolved. This is driven by their emotions. For example, there's a great scene. I love it. Uh, Mike has a internet friend that he decides to go see and visit. This is out in the Tokyo suburbs. He goes into Tokyo proper. Uh, he's been drinking and comes back really drunk and collapses. Basically on top of Yaichi, who gets him into bed and everything. And it's a moment of this close physical intimacy and also kind of emotional intimacy. He's drunk and babbling and missing Ryoji something that Yaichi has never allowed himself to do. Mm-hmm. And kind of in a way outpours this emotion as an s- emotional surrogate for Yaichi. Um, and Yaichi, for a split second, freaks out. What is this giant gaijin doing falling on top of me? But it ends up being very sweet. Bittersweet. I mean, mm-hmm. but sweet. Uh, there's a moment where... Kana asks, well, between you and Roji, who was the wife? Because, I mean, that's how it works, right? Man and wife. And he says, no, we were both husbands. I was Ryoji's husband, and my husband was Ryoji. And Yaichi lays in uh, his futon bed later on, saying, hearing those words somehow relieved me. My brother married a man... And actually, I was like Kana. I was wondering the same thing. It isn't just who is the husband, who is the wife, who played male, who played female. That's what it means, right? And 
he had to get past that and hearing this and hearing ironically that his brother wasn't you know feminine relieves him he can accept and and the reason is subtle because it's not spelled out here people really have to read this to get it and think about it but he's not relieved because uh uh He's not really relieved because his brother wasn't feminine. What he's really relieved by is it was still his brother. In his mind, he somehow wondered, did his brother go off to Canada and become a whole new person? What if he didn't go off to Canada to do that? What if he was that person while here? What if he never really knew his brother, his twin brother? And now he realizes that's not true. There was a part of his brother he didn't really want to talk about or face, even though he knew it. And But his brother was who he knew. A masculine guy who happened to like other men. Mm-hmm. And this relieves him because it, make, it does not... Inv- he was basically afraid that his memories of his brother were going to be invalidated. And mm-hmm. that was painful to him. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I could go over this chapter by chapter by chapter. I don't want to. Um, you know, there's a confrontation with the school that happens. There's uh, uh, some emotions on Yaichi's part about the other parent. Uh, the trip to the onsen. Uh, numerous, uh, uh, an old connection, an old acquaintance of Yaichi and Ryoji's that comes to visit and needs to have a private talk with Mike um, because he's not willing to reveal certain things to Yaichi Mm -hmm. that were private between him and Ryoji, but he'll talk to Mike about it. And also a young boy that comes along who's gay and has never known anyone else who's gay in the world. And so when he hears about Mike being there from classmates, it's his first chance to meet another gay man. Mm. And... All of this feels very true to life. It, it it's it, and I feel pretty powerful. So I feel like at this point in the course we could either just go through scene by scene by scene, which I don't want to take away from people reading it themselves, um, or we can kind of you know call it here. And I'm willing to call it here. Mm-hmm. My brother's husband. I, I talk about these things as literary works, usually to just impart on you some information about them. I'm going to do a little more this time and strongly recommend that people read it if they get a chance. Watching the pages of Mike with the niece is so cute. Yeah. And I I will warn you, it's bittersweet. It gives Mm -hmm. you the feels. Um, I think it's ultimately uplifting. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. I wouldn't blame you if you had to take a few breaks from it. Okay. So we're going to call it there. I'm going to tell folks to keep reading comics and read My Brother's Husband. And if you're someone out there that listens to our lectures on podcast and you find yourself as you're reading, registering with what Yaichi is feeling about, you know, I'm not really a homophobe, but I'm not, this makes me uncomfortable. Then I think this is especially a useful read. Um, because Yaichi's confrontation of his own 
inner turmoil feels very real to me here. As somebody that grew up in a time period when the overwhelming majority of the population seemed very comfortable slagging on gay population. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I was lucky to grow up in a household that was very positive about diversity. Uh, but nonetheless, in my own life, I've found that in extremely subtle ways I didn't understand, I inherited some of that cultural homophobic tendencies that I've worked as an adult to remove from myself. Um, I, I think it's that introspection is useful for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so keep reading comics, and we will be back next week with more From Hell and Gotham, the gayest city in comics. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>